2: I would say my brother was one of my first mentors, man. He was the one that would take me fishing. We grew up, we grew up. both of our dads were were locked up and, um, in prison. So fishing in the beach, man, was like our oh, way to get away. You know, like we're the only brothers out here uh, surfing in the water. You know? We hung out on the beach. My brother was, was a crip. I was following his, his, uh, his footsteps, but the beach saved him, him going out surfing and kind of getting away from that. Um, and then he would he would drag me along with him to the beach, and we became more like surfer locals, you know. But I was following in his footsteps, man, and and uh, we kind of we grew up in broken homes in in the area, and I think the you know the ocean saved both of us, man, and we were able to just hang out on the beach all day. It's like a tribe, you know. Um, with other locals and we fished and surfed but you also get this really cool respect for the ocean and nature you know and that's another thing that we we like to showcase in there is the spirituality whether you like hiking or just you know wherever you're fishing or that outdoorsmanship that there you know that that's what the ocean did for us and if we could uh, share share that is one of my buddies would give the kids a camera because we always filmed it you know and we called it the guppy cam and when you would get the kids filming at that level then you see what the kids are doing but also noticing that by our kids volunteering and helping the other kids those kids seem to let their guard down the ones that didn't normally fish and they would take part in it so it was cool we had our own kids volunteering and they would make the other kids more comfortable to try it off so
1: hey everyone welcome back to another great podcast here in impact outdoors and um, you know this is a special one today we've got my new friend, Mr. Kevin Brandon, from way out in California, um, on the show today, and and Kevin's got a really cool story um, about kind of his background growing up in California and kind of going through some rough patches growing up in life, and, and um, you know going in and out of the gang scene and doing all this stuff, and, and really turning his life around, and and um, and really instilling. Some good values and, and teaching kids and families all about fishing and he's doing this through a multitude of ways man he's got a tv show called real anglers fishing show which you can catch on the pursuit channel and, and find all their episodes on youtube and really out of that morphed the youth movement that he started out there called the real guppies um outdoors and uh just doing amazing things you know people like this always amaze me finding the time to, to do this um because you know a lot of these times you're not getting paid for this stuff it's all volunteer and it's really just from a passion within that, that these things happen and kevin is all about that so great to have him on the show today can't wait for you to hear it and uh with that let's uh get right into it and uh here is kevin brandon all right well we're back with my buddy kevin brandon from all the way out in california kevin how's it going buddy
2: man it's going good man cali to texas right
1: heck yeah man we uh we gotta do some exchange fishing trips or something you know here in the next year or so so um but i just wanted to have you on the show we met out at icast this past summer and uh which is always a fun time get to meet a lot of new people and hang out with a lot of friends and stuff out there and, and um Um, I seen you, you guys there in your booth and, uh, stopped and chatted a little bit and you were busy talking to people. I finally waited around. We got to connect a little bit and stuff. And, uh, um, but I really want to have you on, talk about your real anglers program and your real guppies program that you're doing, educating families and kids all about fishing and kind of bringing them back into the outdoors. And, And we all know the issues that are facing youth across the country right now. And you know, as well as I do, fishing is a great tool to get them involved. And, and, uh, but why don't you, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how this all came about and we'll just kind of keep going with it.
2: Cool, man. Yeah, we got a, it's, it's a deep story. We'll, we'll break it up into pieces throughout. We can, we can go back and forth, but thanks for sticking around at ICAST at the booth. Um, yeah. that was cool, man. Uh, yeah, that, that part was great. I didn't know what to do, right? Like I've been to ICAST to film. So first my name is Kevin Brandon and I host a television show called real English fishing show. That's our logo there, Little product placement, it's the worm catching the fish. We'll talk a little bit about that. That means anything is possible, right? Against all odds, because normally the fish is eating the uh, the worm. Um, yep. So I've been to iCast a couple times, and then we di- uh, we started Rogue Guppy Outdoor Program. So Rogue Anglers is our TV show. Check it out on YouTube or Pursuit Network, a um, couple other streaming devices. Uh, we started Rogue Guppy Outdoor Program about five years after um, Rogue Anglers started filming. We used to have Rogue Anglers Kids Days, and then we started doing Rogue Guppy Outdoors, but nonprofit. So I've been to iCast filming. Uh, we took our books this year, and um, we we put our books in uh, the new product showcase. So we didn't know what to expect. So when it opened up, and people were coming to look for us at our, I, I didn't expect that much traffic. Like in no yeah. expectation, really. I did call a couple of uh, mentors of mine or people that have been in the fishing industry that go to kind of get an idea how to prepare, right? Because mm-hmm. that's important, proper preparation. Uh, but again, we just were just there to get, uh, you know, get I guess more exposure. And it happened, man. From day one, they were just like coming to our booth. Yeah, we looked you up. And I think it might have to do with the fact that there wasn't as many people at ICAST. If you've been there previously, we talked about that, you know, it was like three times as big normally. So it gave us time to like really get some good conversations in with people that, you know, so busy um, on a regular year that, that this was probably the best year that we could have picked to make our debut because it gave us a chance to really talk to more people in the, in the industry.
1: Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. I mean, we talked on the phone earlier this week and, and, uh, usually you got like two minutes or less with somebody and that's it. Okay. You know, unless you've got a scheduled meeting or something and, and, uh, everybody's in a hurry and got a schedule to follow and stuff. So, I mean, it was nice this year, just kind of being able to chill and relax and visit with people and not feel rushed to try to get your message across them for whatever purpose it is. So okay. I'm glad we got to chat and glad you got to meet and make a bunch of connections over there. Cause that's
2: the place to do it. Yeah, it's pretty good, man. It was, it was, uh, that is the place to be. That's what they say. That's where the the big, the big dogs go. You know, like there's a lot of little shows that are throughout California that we have and and stuff like that, but I is definitely, but, but cause it's a different type of show, right? Like you have to be a yeah. buyer, a vendor, um, a seller, you know, uh, different types of media. It's not open to the general public. You know, mm-hmm. you really have to have credentials to get in there. So most of the people that are in there or in the industry, like the ones we have out here in California, the ones that are more of a trade show, you have the public coming in and more like, you know, pop up shops of different uh, vendors and stuff. And they'll keep in the public up and down the aisles, where as opposed to ICAST, it's pretty much all fishing industry to yeah. some degree, you know? So yeah. uh, you got to get there, it's worth the investment. So, again, as part of this business, we'll, we'll probably talk about this is, you know, one thing I preach with our program and what I do for my story is the importance of investing, you know, whether it's your time your resources, your money. of like fishing, right? When we're fishing, we want to invest our time the best we can to catch a fish, you know, um, with the right bait and the things that we do. But personally, I think people need to do that same thing. So I know I get a little ph- philosophical, but I, that's important how fishing um, mim- mimics life. And and that's kind of what we teach with our, with our kid fishing pro- program as well. Yeah.
1: So what part of California are you in? Cause I'm looking at the, your background and stuff and, and uh, trying to
2: figure out Woo! exactly where you're at. So, <laughs> This is my living room. There's no snow, man. That's Lake Tahoe from a trip I did a couple months back. I don't want anybody to see the back, uh, the pots and pans. Cause you know, we do the side of our kitchen and, yep. um, but I'm in Southern California. I'm right between where, uh, right between LA and Santa Barbara County line. It's just the channel islands region. So a lot of people come out to the channel islands area because of the, the we live in like, I call it the coolest place on the planet. Cause it's mine, but you know, it, yep. there's whale migrations here. The channel islands, uh, it's old Chumash Indian um, uh, uh, land, so there's a lot of his- history here. The big ships that you see with all the cargo on it, that everybody sees photos of, of these mm-hmm. ships parked outside. Our port uh, isn't quite that jammed at all, but we're relieving some of the stuff from L.A., so we're basically right between L.A. and Santa Barbara County, so you can go down. Um, but the Channel Islands area is just, it, that's where uh, you see a lot of National Geographic or Marine Studies guys that come to California. A lot of the stuff that you see filmed is right here in our backyard, man.
1: That's awesome. One day I will get out there. So I've always said I wanted to go, I wanted to get out to San Diego and do some tuna fishing and, you know, go down to Baja and all that stuff. And then even right there off the coast and and stuff. And uh, y'all have, y'all have Halibut, right?
2: Over, yeah, we it, have, they come really that halibut far halibut south
1: fish. or, yeah. Yep.
2: So I heard you have two kinds you have California and the Pacific. We're more of the uh, the California, the smaller ones, you know, that we don't get that, you know, maxed out about 50, 60 pounds, I think is a limit, you know, is the uh, record yeah. in our backyard. But yeah, we have a really good halibut fishery. We got uh, some of the, there's an organization we're with, Coastal Conservation Association. I think you guys have one mm-hmm. in Texas too. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, They partner with like hubs for SeaWorld and they're doing things where they're growing halibut in, in the pens and they're growing um, uh, white sea bass out here. That's another big fishery is the big croaker, kind of like the East Coast version of the, of the redfish, you mm-hmm. know, very similar looking species of fish. Uh, they're just white as opposed to the red, but they, they're the same type of family croaker. They get big like they do. And that's a big part right here. We have the calico bass because we live in the yeah. the kelp forest, right? The California kelp forest is right here. So it's just that's why a lot of scuba divers or filmmakers huh. and stuff come out here on their, you know, they're traveling the world because of the the. Um, the kelp forest that is in our backyard is just you know everything is based on ecosystem and fishing Mm -hmm. so we have that with the china islands mixed in with the kelp forest and the halibut lay on the edges of those and the flatlands and the surf fishing and the perch you know i'm gonna get all into teacher mode like i do with the program and the tv show and that's a lot of stuff that we like to highlight um with our program and our television show again it's not about like catching the trophy fish it's about catching that memory you know so we could highlight Again, when you go out fishing, you've got the Channel Islands in the background. We're teaching them about ecosystem, responsible angling and stuff, uh, stewardship, you know, how to protect these resources and still be able to fish them for years to come um, as opposed to preservation where we can't touch it. So like Noah does a lot of research right here in our backyard. So where we live at because yeah. of all that cool stuff, uh, this is a prime area for fishing, uh, tourism and uh, and science and, and and stuff like that, you know?
1: Yeah. So how, I mean, tell, tell us a little bit, you know, growing up when you as a kid, I mean, were you into all this growing up, like who was your mentor and, and, and that kind of thing and, and stuff. All right,
2: good. So this is the good part, right? This, where we get to talk a little bit about my growing <laughs> up and, and why we got here, you know, the nice little segue. So I would say my brother was one of my first mentors, man. He was the one that would take me fishing. We grew up, we grew up, okay. both of our dads were, were locked up and, um, in prison. So fishing in the beach, man, was like, our way to get away. You know, like we're the only brothers out here. Uh, surfing in the water, you know, mostly brothers don't really get in the water or on the water. Um, but we were right, we grew up right here in this beach. So, you know, we, we, we hung out on the beach. My brother was, was a crip. I was following his, his, uh, his footsteps, but the beach saved him, him going out surfing and kind of getting away from that. Um, and then he yeah. would, he would drag me along with him to the beach and then we became more like surfer locals, you know, uh, growing up, we have a pier. So we just, you know, we fish off the pier. I'll tell this story one time because I have a smart mouth. So my brother slapped me with a jack smelt one time on the pier. We still tell that story to this day. Sometimes when I used to drink, I'd bring it up. But yeah, uh, my brother slapped me with a jack smelt. <laughs> but I was following in his footsteps, man. And and uh, we kind of we grew up in broken homes in, in the area. And I think the, the you know the ocean saved both of us, man. And we were able to just hang out on the beach all day. It's like a tribe, you know, um, with other locals, and we fished and surfed. But you also get this really cool respect for the ocean and nature, you know, mm-hmm. and that's another thing that we, we like to showcase in there is, is the spirituality, whether you like hiking or just, you know, wherever you're fishing or that outdoorsmanship that there, you know, that that's what the ocean did for us. And if we could uh, share, share that. So when, as a kid, we used to walk down, me and my brother, and we would sneak onto this down the street. It was called Port Wynamey Sport Fishing. And we'd sneak on that. That's where the big ports, the big port was at where these ships come in, but you're not supposed to fish there, right? Everywhere where the good fishing is that you can't fish. Yeah.
1: it's blocked so, off.
2: Yeah. So they would, uh, kick us off right all the time. And then finally I got a job working down there and I started like spraying seagull and pelican poop off of the, uh, the bait receiver. Cause we, we, we have bait here, um, for the boats to scoop and put into their, their, their bait tanks. And they use that for bait. So my first job was like spraying down the poop off of the, the dock. And then I got a job working up in the landing as a, um, rinsing off, um, rods and rails, like the rental rods that people would use when they come out. Mm-hmm. And then I got it. And then they put me in the office. So was, you know, taking reservations. And I remember that the reservations that I would take, uh, so our area code is 805. And a lot of the area codes I would take uh, for their phone numbers were from out of the area. So I knew that a lot of people in this area weren't using the Channel Islands, you know, like 818 LA coming from the Valley, the desert, were driving out here to fish. So when I put together my, my show in my program, I knew that the kids in this area, like myself growing up the same way, man, because this stuff is all around us, you know, single parents, single moms, um, broken families, low income, poverty, Mm -hmm. uh, diversity, um, and how fishing like that. I, if I didn't walk down to the, to the end of the dock and and just randomly start fishing there, you know, fishing, you know, to, to get involved in that sport, um, and get a job down there, where would I be at? So if I could give that back to these same kids in my background, um, that's what I do. But I knew that I knew that, from taking those reservations early on and, and then pinheading it. Like I was telling you yesterday, like deck handing on boats that these people weren't from around here. So I wanted to highlight right. our area, all that cool stuff I just talked about to the kids in this area and, and their families as well. So uh, getting that job on the boat um, from uh, working in the office to working on a boat for 10 years, learning that experience, working hard, uh, getting in the fraternity of, of sport fishing in the boats and working with other guys and, and being treated like an adult and being able to, to teach how to fish is it just, I've grown to love it so much, man. And that's why I do the show. That's why we do the program. So I were invested so much into this industry, not only because it helps save me, but I also know that it could help other people, but there's a big educational component that people want to know about. Cause you watch enough national geographic and discovery. And if we can expose people in our backyard to that. Then I, I live in my dream every day.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. And, and I don't know. I mean, I hear that. Several stories of people that I'm really close with, you know, kind of similar backgrounds and how either fishing or or hunting kind of got them out of that and gave them something to focus on and something positive in life and stuff. And and um, that's awesome that was able to do that for you. And then the yeah. coolest thing is that now you're giving back, you know, and you're, yeah. you're seeing that come back to you. So that that's really good, man. Appreciate you doing all that. So how did the? It's like you know the filmmaking like where did that spark come from is like did you just like one day say hey i think i could do a fishing show or or was it something progressively you know just filming other things and then kind of come into that realization that that's what you wanted so to my do? brother
2: that i was talking about uh we used to act like serious we used to break down for spare change and stuff right and uh, on cardboard. So when we would go fishing, we, we always felt like we we're these entertainers. So actually, my brother, If you watch my videos. A lot of the reggae music that you hear in my videos is my brother, Ross yep. Rebel. He's a reggae okay. artist, right? So we're like both like, you know, uh, entertainers. But we would act like the camera was on us the whole time. Seriously. And we'd be like, you know, hey, uh, you know, let's just let's do this bait or let's cook this fish. Like we would like mimic. And we used to joke. if you've seen um, like in Living Color, you know, you have mm-hmm. the, the brother's like, mo money, mo money. So me and yep. my brother would kind of act like that, right? Like show them another stuff. Show them another stuff. And, uh, so it, it came natural, right. As far as hosting and, and, and having that gift to Gap. Um, but when I got into filmmaking, I, I was an exterminator. I quit, uh, working on boats for a little while. I, I got into, into the streets. I was, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. We're going to keep it honest. Like started selling a lot of, uh, started selling weed, man. And mm-hmm. uh, I quit working and I was just trying to find a, I needed to make more money because unfortunately getting off of a boat and trying to take that to a, to put on a resume, I didn't have a lot of experience in anything else. So I would get like entry-level position jobs. Right. And I wanted to make I, I'm not trying to justify it, but to try to make extra money. I hustled a little weed. And uh yeah. when I we'll talk about that later when I quit, like I as an exterminator, I was going into other people's um neighborhoods, rich neighborhoods, and wondering, like, how did they how did they get this? You know, this yeah. is this is generational wealth. This isn't they ain't out here making these kind of maneuvers, putting their family in danger to provide. And I would notice that they would have like uh university of such and such on the, on the, on their cars or something, you know, alumni or something. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, they're, they're building a value it's, it's a value system that they're building. And I listen to motivational speakers for my bodybuilding that I listen to and here and putting two and two together. And I was like, they're, you know, I got to do something more constructive with my time. So um, when I got out of that lifestyle, I started going to church and um, I was like, what did I do before? I used to want to live that lifestyle with Tony Montana. Like, Man, I used to love to fish. So, um, We moved to this location, uh, to a different street in my, in my neighborhood. And we had a new cable company and there was, it went from just the one Fox sports that would show fishing shows like on Sundays only Dude, there was like five channels of fishing. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. And when I worked on the boats, I did take one semester of filmmaking and, but working on the boat, it's hard to go to school and do that. So I did do one episode though. We did it at the jetty fishing. We made a commercial. We did a Bud Light commercial, the whole thing. Right. So I had the bug but watching these other shows, man, I realized that California wasn't being represented as much. Yep. Some of the guys had high, high, um, a, uh, a, like really expensive produced show. And some guys had like, dude was really, it's called El Pascari he was fishing on like a beach in Florida. His background was people running around. They were on a private boat and he had a TV show. So I've seen it from like high end scale, like in fishermen to mm-hmm. just barely produced on their own. So, um, uh, I told my mom, I think I want to go back to school and do filmmaking. And my mom worked down at the school. She would clean herself up and it was a, 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 in the reentry program. And she said, well, you know, the semester starts this, this uh, like this week. So I checked it out. Now, this is a smart thing, right? This is about being innovative. I don't like school. I have my own learning curves. I don't like reading um, videography. There's no books. <laughs> you could use all their expensive equipment. They're going to show you how to do it. And you, you sign a BOG waiver for like a hundred bucks and it, and I got to take filmmaking. So, but I, I wanted to film more, uh, also, um, more action, not so much an infomercial of, you need this hook, you need this weight, you need this boat, let's just get people doing it. Right. And, um, when I got to, to, to school, uh, we needed somebody to host this mockumentary. We're going to fake this project and then you're going to do it. So of course I'm like, here, I'll be the host channel eight. So I did this hosting for this little mockumentary. I was like Johnny from channel eight news and I'm interviewing It's all students, right? And I was killing it. So my teacher said, hey, man, you, you have a talent for hosting next semester. Maybe you should host uh, the, the TV show that we put on the local TV channel here in, in Oxnard. And I signed up, man, and I be started hosting. So I was filming oh, wow. and hosting, you know. But uh, uh, I was going to school two days a week as an exterminator. I was able to get off work at 430 on Tuesday and Thursday. And I could take film uh, just one class a semester. And I took it for four semesters. And I used, used their equipment. I got taught how to use it. I helped other students on their projects. So they would help me on my projects, you know, come out and film, doing a lot of free projects for whale watching boats, Mm. sport fishing boats. And, uh, but I like the documentary side, man. I love reading rainbow growing up. I love PBS type Mm -hmm. videos, the crocodile hunter. So I wanted that aspect into the show as well. Not just again trophy fishing, but let's really like educate and show the cool parts of California and just, you know what I mean? Like, like that aspect.
1: Yeah. That's cool. And, and I've seen, I've watched some of y'all's videos and I mean, y'all are doing all kinds of cool stuff, you know, either whether it's going on the, the, the party boats or fishing, pier fishing and all, all the different things. And, and, um, you know, is that, I mean, I know that's big out there, like kind of tell us like, what kind of fishing are you doing on those different, different boats and from the dock? Like what's, what's the difference in those for people?
2: So the, the sport boat, uh, since I, I worked with those guys early on in my career, like I was saying when I was younger, mm-hmm. I was able to do their boats for them for free. So sport fishing was like us, utilizing that resource to go on their boat and make them a video. And this is when social media was coming out. So everybody needed a YouTube video. So I was able to film for them. We would just do a trade. I'd go fish for free and film their video. I just paid yeah. for my fishing and galley. Uh, so that's one aspect of it. But again, I used to tell people for what you cost to go to a ball game or amusement park, you could get a guide or service from fishing. So if you want to, you know, two hundred bucks to Disneyland, you can go on a sport boat, and they'll help you tie your hooks. They'll help you get started. They'll walk you through the whole process because fishing can be a little intimidating. So can the ocean. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the sport fishing boats is based on just again education, our backyard, catching the memory, seeing the sights, um, and catching a big old rock cod that you could take home and cook and eat. Uh, we do things with surf fishing because I like to look at fishing as like different communities. Okay, and California has a lot. You have crazy kayak fishermen. You have guys that shark fish from the pier. You have veterans that fish. You have surf fishermen. You have local ponds where guys make their own lures and fish for these big old trout. So if I could find a cool story in California to go chase down like we did one in the Bay Area looking for sturgeon, but we caught some sharks and no sturgeon. So it's able for me to tie in a story of adventure and exploring and, and being um, open that I don't know how to fish everything. And I'm going to learn from this guide in service that I'm telling you, you could get so again, you'll see everything. It's not a just a sport fishing dominated show. I try to find other cool little stories to tell and other little nicks and crannies because the ocean could be um, scary for some people. So if you go to a lake, mm-hmm. there's a bass guy that'll take you and teach you how to fish, right? So maybe the ocean is a lot at once. Why don't you just start over here with this guy, just like we did, and we'll show you how I even got skunked because I wasn't following his procedure because I was trying to do what I was doing instead of listening to him. So we expose all that on the show. It's not like. I'm going to go out and be a, uh, this know-it-all about fishing. I'm going to break it down and show you how I'm learning as well. You know, so that, cause what we really want is people to say, Hey, look, honey, we, we did we can do that. Right. And that's what I get back from my show is you make the show look like something that we can all do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you said it, that the show's actually Aaron, is it on, on pursuit right now?
2: Yeah, it was on pursuit. We're not going to do this first quarter of the year. We got to uh-huh. do some reinvesting in the guppy program, but by the second quarter, we should be back on pursuit, but it's on YouTube, nice. YouTube, Hulu uh, uh, my TV, what's it called? MoGo. The, oh um, yeah. Go outdoor, yeah. Outdoor TV. So you could Google it and stream it on pretty much every smart television. That's
1: cool, man. Super cool. Um, so, you know, starting up the, the TV show and stuff. And then I think there's probably a natural progression in trying to grow your programs. And I know y'all went and and turned in, in basically and basically start up a nonprofit to do the kids side of things, which is, I think really from meeting you in person and and talking to you that's where the passion is right now and um how did that kind of transpire
2: and and stuff so when uh we would leave our apartment complex i remember so first of all let me back just a second when i was uh, fishing with the church group they would do a kids fishing day at the lake once a year partner with the lake and we were volunteering and helping kids fish but it was more like every kid walks along grabs a fish we have the we have the trout, you know, in a little area and they catch a trout and then they can put it in a bag and the kid takes mm-hmm. off. Right. But there's not a lot of instruction, just like hook in hand and bring it in. But I was watching mm-hmm. these guys be servants, right. And how they were helping. And I really thought that that was cool. So when we would leave to go fishing kids in our area, like I said, where you grew up, Oh, I wish somebody could take me fishing. I wish I had somebody that would take me fishing from other kids in our complex. So I'd say, well, Hey, look, if your mom or your dad, or somebody would drop you off or bring you to the pier, We'll, we'll show you how to do it. So we would start with 10 kids, right? Then we'd have 15 and I would be like, man, I'm kind of nervous about like really opening this up and then not having enough resources to be able to handle it. Well, God always provided more than we always had, uh, that we had kids. So I thought, you know, the heck with this. And at the time it was real anglers, kids, fishing days before we went nonprofit. And the way we got the word guppy is one of my buddies would give the kids a camera because we always filmed it, you know, and we called it the guppy cam. And when you would get the kids filming at that level, then you see what the kids are doing, but also noticing that by our kids volunteering and helping the other kids, those kids seemed to let their guard down, the ones that didn't normally fish, yep. and they would take part in it. So it was cool. We had our own kids volunteering, and they would make the other kids more comfortable to try it all. So yeah. uh, the kids would get into it, but we give them a camera called the Guppy Cam. So when we went nonprofit, we decided to call it the rogue Guppy Outdoor Program then we went from doing it sporadically uh, here and there. And we took some Girl Scout troops out and uh, like police activities, lead kids Then we started doing it once a month, man, every fourth Sunday of the month. And we've been doing that for uh, four years now. And then we also partner with other organizations that um, have a larger group of like 20 to 30, they get their own day. So we'll do anywhere from our normal (coughs) schedule 10 kid days a year. Uh, Our biggest, biggest we did was 26 before the pandemic in a year. And even this last year, during the pandemic, we were able to, uh, Still do 11 peer days, um, some Zoom class field trips, write our own workbook. So it's, it's really grown um, a yeah. lot. But, it, you know, that, that's where it's at now. Yeah. Get ready for the greatest roast of all
0: time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th.
1: outreach that y'all go and do just to kind of get the word out about the program stuff and I think that's kind of what you were alluding to at iCast. Y'all had the y'all's um your your kids' books, which I got some from you guys and brought home to my kids and they loved them and and uh thought that was really cool. So um is that something that y'all are uh and I'm assuming saying y'all so how how is it set up? So I know you're you're basically in charge do you have a board um kind of how's y'all's group set up as far as the nonprofit side and your and your, and your help? Because I know for sure you ain't doing this alone.
2: I'm oh, at the grace of God, man. He always provides. I always give him the glory and we have an amazing team. You know, we do. I, I did a lot of it by myself because, um, you, you know, you get things done right. So this is growth in both, right? You're, you're giving your yeah. baby and you're having people come in and help you with ideas and you have to be able to uh, take that criticism mm-hmm. to grow it, right? But I was just blessed with a great team. A good grant writer just came in to help us out um, how to expand it. Right. So again, from just taking kids fishing to being this positive uh, resource in the community, the chief of police, um, you know, I call it, well, I'll talk about the chief, like he has got us into some schools. The Kiwanis club has got us into some schools. We have volunteers coming out to show out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, but the board of directors, I have a great team that supports what we do. Like when we said, we're going to go to ICAST, we got the email. Hey, because um, last year they canceled it, right? This year it's back. We had a meeting, we raised some funds. We had a quick fundraiser on a boat. We were able to raise the funds. Kevin, if you think this is a great idea, it's your vision. Uh, let's, let's go, you know? And then we got yeah. the, all the stuff made to get us out there, but the team and honestly of support helps me because as much as I want to do it all, and it's my vision, um, knowing that you have support to help you and knowing that your ideas are, you know, because for people to give up their time for all the kid days that we do and show up, I mean, we use the term community, helping community to serve the community, because this, as long as you've gotten this far, it's all been community-based donations from banks, donations from local small businesses. I do a lot of uh, chamber of commerce work, things like that to help us stay sustainable. So we've been getting this far with the grant from Vamos El Pascar, but also local community businesses that step up to help, whether it's at, at an event or with something that we need. But again, that's why I always give it to God because we never fall short, man. We always have the right team, the right amount of volunteers, enough gear, no matter how many kids show up, that we have plenty of stuff to uh, resources to to do it, which gives you the encouragement that you're doing the right thing and keep going. You know, when it falls, it's not a coincidence anymore, man. It's it's meant Mm -hmm. to be, you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I'll send you some info later. I mean, we've got a really cool program here in Texas. That's basically um, I believe it's federal funding, but it's the, the co-op grants that they give out to groups, exactly Mm -hmm. like what you're doing, you know, and it's basically a matching deal. So, you know, they'll, they'll award you so much money and, and, and you, uh, you spend that money, send them the receipts and they cut you a check back until you hit your, hit your, your grant fund. And, and, um, really cool, really helped us the first year we started our youth program and, and it's tough, man. I mean, if, you just said y'all got a good grant writer that is so key these days because grants are definitely the way to go and and we all know in the last year and a half almost two years now how hard it is to get donations and things and so hopefully you know people listening to this will want to reach out and help you guys and um um, and stuff like that and as far as like gear and stuff i mean i'm sure you get donations and stuff from people and 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 things you know like used product and, and new product both but um you know, how does that, how does that, how does that go for you guys? I mean, do y'all have events where y'all post up stuff, you know, we're looking for new rod and reels to hand out for the kids to use and that kind of thing.
2: So the way it really started growing, I have it, one, one of our sponsors is channel wild and sport fishing. They've been sponsoring my TV show me for, since we started like uh, nine years ago doing the, the films for them and stuff. Okay. Um, like, uh, like the first big batch we got was their lost and found. They donated it all. Mm-hmm. So we had a bunch of stuff and then, um, I do a radio show cause I'm out here in California. I'm, I'm pretty I'm getting pretty known for the fishing that we do. So I do like a radio show every Friday to give a report and yeah. then people reach out like, you know, unfortunately it's, it's a trip because somebody passes away and their dad was a big time fisherman to come get all their gear. And they would get, start donating that way. Cause the guy on the radio, like you're asking me right now. So we got a lot of gear that way, but you come across some really cool stuff, man. When you see like the older stuff that people used to use, yeah. I mean, like a little kid, it's like antiquing, man, you get to go through all of that. So that's what I mean by the community so far us going out to ICAST is kind of a real introduction more into the fishing industry to hopefully get more support. Mm-hmm. But a lot of our stuff has been really local. Where we live out in Ventura County, it's a very, um, it's, we call it Ventucky because it's like a little bit country, but it's <laughs> on the beach, right? So when things happen, like it, re- this community gets behind everybody, whether it's food share, we had the big fires out here years ago, you know, like our, our community really, really comes together. A lot of support, like these chamber mixers. It's, it's big enough, like just outside of LA but it's small enough to where we can all help each other out, man. So we've like, i use that term community helping community, uh, but donations, people drop gear off to us. We do a thing where we, um, we go through it and what the kids can't use. We've been having a couple of pop-up sales to like sell it, you know, or get donations for that to help monetize, make mm-hmm. a few bucks for the program. That's kind of how we got money for iCast, you know, to get out there. We did two of those before we left. I mean, and the donors are happy with that. You know, they give it to the program to, uh, for us to do what we can give it out. Um, we, we want to get a, um, a system in place for called the Guppy Rangers where we start getting their points for them for like beach cleanups, pier days and stuff. So we can start giving the gear away to those that are invested. We don't give away a lot of gear because we don't know if they're going to be able to use it again. And we want them to right. give something back to get their free, to get their gear, you know, like invest themselves into it. So that's something I'm going to work on this year uh, coming up. And then we also opening up a learning center, man. And this is what I mean by the community nice. right I up yesterday. Hey, we need, we need some chairs and tables and chairs for this learning center. And people are like, I got you a monitor. I got you a whiteboard. Uh, We got some tables that we don't need anymore. I mean, literally, we're going to have this thing furnished from a Facebook post Mm -hmm. um, of what we're doing. But again, that's continuous effort. And when you're doing this, and this is what we teach the kids. Like, I remember starting out, brother, when I had a kid fishing day man to do a learning center and nobody showed up. Me and my son were the only ones there. And the feeling of like, why are we doing this? What are we doing this for? We have one person show up. It's just a waste of our time. But I would show up the next month and show up the next month. Right. And we'd have four kids and five to where we've grown a really good following and being um, synonymous for what we do in our community up and others that like it's nine years later that the community is really, really catching on to what we're doing and getting a lot of support from them, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's true um, passion and true, um, I guess, compassion for, for your community, you know, and, and, you know, you build it and they're going to come eventually it may not happen immediately (laughs) and the payoff's not going to be instantaneously like it is for some people but you know you keep pushing and grinding on all this stuff and and man it pays pays off big time in the end and and (laughs) we'll only get bigger and better you know who knows where you'll be in five years you know as far as the goal
2: goal is to get really like kratz creatures kind of way man you know where we have a pbs type of show that grows the kids you know what i mean like that's Mm -hmm. real um, informational and showing and getting kids outside. And, but a big part of it, man, I don't know if you guys are noticing this too in, in Texas is the whole family engagement part, right? Yep. Like one thing in the pandemic showed was that people could slow down and start doing things that they were always too busy for, because let's be honest. I mean, we parents work and school and the kids have sports and we do get a little busy, you know, and that's just life. But the pandemic was able to show that we could slow down and smell the roses again. And fishing was like the biggest it's been since like 1980. So by us having organizations like ours, but again, not just the kids teaching them, but also showing the family engagement, so they can continue those traditions that grandfather used to show kids that people got mm-hmm. too busy for um, is growing. So we're looking at the brand building on how do we have, like, you know, all that incorporated with the learning and the PBS style videos and even showing kids how to cook them and stuff, you know, again, not just teaching fishing, but how do we teach them again, those life building skills yeah. through fishing. And that's, and that's really the goal to see it. And I, and I think we can accomplish that.
1: Yeah. And I think family, I mean, we talked about this before, but a uh, family is key, you know, cause I've done a lot of, of events with youth and stuff, you know, um, same kind of deal. You know, a lot of kids from broken homes, single parent households, that kind of thing. And, and if you can't get the parent involved or invested somehow in some capacity with what, you know, you're trying to build with these kids, they're never going to get to do it again, you know. And mm-hmm till they come to your event, maybe the next year, if the parent lets them, you know, and so that has been key is getting them interested in, in, and stuff. And, and, um, it seems like once that happens, that little light bulb goes off and they're like, yes, this is what we need to do. And you're exactly right. Last year was, it was nuts. I mean, my charter business was went dead for two and a half months and it was like a light bulb went off, you know, like mid May, everybody was just like, what the heck are we doing? It's like, we can go outside And my phone never stopped ringing. I mean, I could have booked a trip, two trips a day for the whole year last year. It was insane. And it was so cool getting to meet so many people that had never either went fishing or hadn't been fishing, like I said, since they were little, you know, and just wanted to get out and spend, spend the time that they may not ever get again like this, you know, with their family. So,
2: yeah, man, that's a hundred percent. So you're like, you're doing the same similar stuff and you're seeing exactly the same things. And that's what's good about organizations like us. There's an abundance for all of us out here, man. And if we can collaborate and and learn ideas from each other, that's another good thing about ICAST. And you see other people not because I tell people like you talk about the payment, um, volunteering and helping like this, it's a deposit to the soul, right? Like you don't get monetarily, but that feeling, I have volunteers that are like, I've almost seen them in tears after a kid day of what something Mm -hmm. happened throughout the day where they're just like, you know, what just happened today? Um, I'm just going on a tyrant right now, our or tandem right now, but that's you know I'm sure you guys experience that same thing with yep. your volunteers, and then that's where you get a chance to make you want to do it again, right? When again, it might be a slow outcome, or what's happening? It's that passion that makes you continue to do this kind of stuff. But the payoff at the end, again, for the soul and seeing it happy, man, is you can't really describe. Sometimes I get choked up trying to explain that to
1: people. Oh yeah, yeah, it's the same, man. It's like you know we do our youth program, the brigades program, and we work on that for it's a five day deal. We work on it all year long and uh by the time you get to camp sometimes you're almost just drained you're just like okay like, let's let's get going and and man by the end of week every single year i've been doing it for over 10 years now it's like it's just like this is unbelievable i mean just the right. outcome and, and seeing what the kids get out of it and then in, in the adults as well so um and that's that's what it's all about you know
2: So i remember uh closing the door one time at the ventura pier location and i had Literally, bro, I stuffed all the rods in there. I put the hoop nets in the back because we do a lot of hoop netting, too, so that way they can get hands on and learn if the fish aren't biting and they learn about species identification. We have Mm -hmm. one this weekend called Hoop. There it is where they all have hoop nets and learning as teams of three um, for crab and stuff Uh, and just slamming the door and the freaking door broke on my suburban man. And I was like, how How long are you going to continue to do this? And I was there the next month, you know, but you're literally families all climbed into the big old school suburban all the rods the kids are all like bent sideways cause you got rods going this way. And <laughs> the smell of, uh, of kelp that's still on the hooting head, smelling up the car and just, and I slammed the one of the doors and it, it will never, it never open again. And I was just like, why are you doing this? And then a day later, you're like, well, we'll be back next week. <laughs> we'll be back next month. You that's, know, right. So. that's
1: right. man. <laughs> so, well, what, are, um, so what are some really good, I know you got some really good fishing stories, like far as like offshore stuff, what y'all, what you've done i mean have you caught some really cool stuff out there because it's totally different out there from what we got here in the gulf of mexico you know we really yeah. don't have a lot of species besides maybe the pelagics
2: and stuff that y'all are targeting well here is cool like i said between the china islands um kelp forest and the upwelling of all the nutrients that come through here uh we have a great fishery in our backyard but then we do have santa barbara i'm sorry we do have san diego that's just down that you know when the season comes up you go catch yellowtail um, tuna, you know, there's long range trips My long. is like a three day trip, Caught plenty of tuna, nothing super big, but you know, for me, it's still great, man. But again, I'm a nerd yeah. with it. Right. So I don't need a whole lot to satisfy Kev. You know, if I got something to eat, um, enough to make some sashimi or, or something to fry, I'm always happy. Even sometimes like, I think I have enough fish. Maybe I'll, you know, I've had enough. Um, I'll take a break and hang out, start, you know, blogging or writing up some of like the, what I'm seeing, but we do have a good fishery here in Southern California, man. And then, Going up north, like we tried to catch a sturgeon last year. We got to go back. And always say whenever, you know, people don't catch what they're looking for, that's just the reason for you to come back, right? So that way you got to keep coming. So uh, we're going to go back up for sturgeon. Um, Sharks out here. Watching the kids, man. Like We had a kid called, uh, their organization was called um, Heritage Girls, dude. And she caught like a five-foot leopard shark off the pier. And it's like, you know, six feet of water. And they're freaking out like, oh, my God, there's really sharks here. And. You know, we it broke off before we can get it in, but at least they got to see it, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, again, explain that to them like that's part of the whole ecosystem part. You never know what you're going to catch in the ocean. You know, yeah, the lakes and ponds kind of what they stock, but out here we never know. So again, I get a lot of enjoyment of watching biggest. My biggest fish is a black sea bass, which we can. It's kind of like the Goliath grouper size. You know, a big one out here, not as big as that, but it's in that same family. But it's on the endangered species list. And I got like a two hundred yeah. pounder you know what you guys know out there about what barotrauma and stuff is when the fish come mm-hmm. up real deep and yeah. you got to use the decompression chambers, uh, chambers, the, the devices, the releasing the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Put them back down. So that was one of my biggest fish was the black sea bass, but, wow. um, uh, the Dorado is my favorite fish. I got it tattooed right here. So I caught my first nice. Dorado about two years ago. One of the series that we did is it's called average James. And one of my best friends names is James. So it's mm-hmm. like average Joe. So I would take James like his first, jig fishing trip. I mean, he started out using strips of squid. Uh, now he's on the board of one of our board of directors and he helps with the program tying hooks, but he started out not knowing anything. So this part of the series was to show his progression in fishing. So there's one of him catching tuna, getting beat up by this little tuna, you know, and, uh, then he's jig fishing for big link cod that we got out here and stuff. So we, we, we go through this progression. So watching him catch it and then, and then, uh, telling people to do it. So when I got my Dorado, I'm yelling at him to get the camera. And he's like, well, I'm fishing for Dorado. <laughs> so we got like the tail end of it, you know, coming over. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? He's like, well, because you can see the school swimming by, right? And I have yeah. the bait right on top of him. So as soon as I'm bit, I'm like, get it on camera. It's my first yeah, one. Yeah. And he's like, but I want one of those too. <laughs> so he tells me that now at the time, because at the end, he, like he got a piece of the footage and I was like, man, you suck at video. He's like, well, I went to fish. I didn't go to, fish. And I'm like, anyway, I, don't, I'm not, I can't blame him for being mad, but it was, one of those stoked moments for me catching hey, my when When the
1: Mahi show up, it's every man for himself, usually. <laughs> so I know how that goes, man, because yeah. it's like somebody's <laughs> got to keep cutting bait or something. And everybody's just trying to fish. Nobody wants to do anything else <laughs> except catch them. So it's
2: like the DD, right? Like somebody's got to drive. Like you yeah.
1: guys got to film. So yeah. 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 And I, I told you we went tuna fishing this past week and uh, we went out a long way. We went about 200 miles to the floater, floater rigs. You know, we're out in. Three, four thousand feet of water, and uh, it was on. We had the best yellowfin trip I've ever been. On. I was so lucky to get to go on this trip. And, uh, you know, I've been on a bunch of them, but we've never caught the caliber, I guess, of tuna that we did this trip. They were all 80 that's, to 100 pound fish. That's a bigger big fish. And um, all studs. And uh, it was a lot of them on top water. I caught all mine on top water, you know. And the second one I caught, I think he hit it. Uh, we were using a flying fish imitation by huh? a frenzy company. And, um, it's like an eight inch bait and it glows and, and, uh, you can get it about 40, 50 yards from the boat, you know, with the spinning rod and, and they were only hitting it when it'd be sitting still. And I mean, this tuna come blowed up on it, had it sticking out of his mouth, come flying at me like 20 yards through the air. And the whole time he was in the air, I'm just like, clamping down tighter and tighter on my rod because i know what's getting ready to happen you know he's going to make a giant run and man he hit that water and was off to the races i think the first run he ran 150 200 yards off off the spinning reel just instantly and this is on a spinning reel. oh yeah wow. yeah yeah like wow. an 8 000 size and and um man it was just so much fun you know doing that and I, and I got two big ones and i was trying to get my limit, so there's three right and and um you know, I fished the rest of the night, but I had more fun watching everybody else. I was taking videos and yeah. kind of like, kind of like what you're doing and, and uh, just documenting that for them and trying to get some good pictures and stuff. And, and, um, you know, I don't get to fish a whole lot for myself anymore. So a trip like this was uh, very rewarding to me, you know, yeah. not having to take care of other people and that kind of thing. It was kind of like, all right, this whole trip, I'm going to catch, catch fish and, and take home. And and, uh, it was good. So maybe you can get over here sometime and do one of those trips. It's similar to the San Diego trips, the party boat trips, you know, Mm -hmm. so, but it's fun. And, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, I grew up fishing, um, since I was a little kid, I think my earliest memories was probably three, four years old being on a boat. You know, I just remember briefly just being on a pontoon boat with my family and and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, it's always been a passion just like you growing up and and doing the fishing out there on the beaches and stuff. And, and I don't know, I I never, I guess never thought, I mean, I don't know if you ever thought when you was a kid you'd be doing what you're doing now. I never thought I'd be doing what I'm doing. I've got my dream Mm -hmm. job, you know, and I'm guiding and got this podcast. Like I never thought in a million years, I'd be doing anything like this
2: two years ago and boom, you know, here we are. So yeah, man, crazy. (laughs) Yeah, they, they they talk about. So I started about seven when I would go to the pier every day and hang out, and that's one of the things that we talk about. The fishing is like our name of our book is called Catching Memory because you're going to remember that memory of you've been on that pontoon boat. You cut mm-hmm. the memory of going out with your buddies and catching that big old tuna that you just caught, you know. And that's what we like to highlight. I'm sure that's part of what you guys like to highlight is just getting them to catch that first memory and remembering it. And I'm sure. How do you have this issue too, where like? you tell people what you do and they want to tell you their old fishing stories, you know, like, Oh, yeah. oh I do a fishing podcast where I say I do a show. Did you watch that tunnel vision, right? Yeah. of Them going back to where that fishing, where they caught it at and what they used or whose mm-hmm. uncle was there. or Sunny story. And, uh, that's a whole part of, you know, it's not always just about the trophy, right, man. It's about that whole experience, man. So you're doing it out there. We're doing it here, man. And I think that's good for this, um, this whole industry and, and people in and humanity. Right. I mean, I don't mean to like get all deep, but, There is something that's cool about just being out fellowshipping with people and fishing. This is an intimidating sport to some people on how to walk in and buy gear or what to look for, or maybe find something else to do with their family because they don't have any idea. And if we can break that barrier, man, it'd be the bridge for more people to experience those same couple of highlights to do it again, man. That's, that's, uh, that's what we're doing, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so what is, what's kind of on the horizon for you guys here in the next year or two? I mean, what are you looking at? I know you've been going to doing a lot of meetings and stuff lately, meeting with people and kind of, where do you see this going? I know.
2: So we, uh, so before in May, I, as an exterminator, I was working, man. And I did that for like 10 years. Um, I gave up my time there and I worked at the local sport fishing channel on the sport fishing four days a week. So I could be in the industry like all the time, man. And this year, I've given up two more days down there, so I'm going to get working there two days a week, but it's going to give me time to be on the road filming more California fishing. We're opening up our learning center. Uh, we did the application yesterday. We're getting into schools. If we can get our curriculum um, around the, uh, the country, meaning like we could do Zoom like this yeah. uh, with schools and teach fishing, just continue to grow up. But it's going always going to be on that same vision, man, of, of scaling up our brand and what we do to be able to be digital and really make an impact across, you know, because our, our show um, and our program is about uh, development and leadership and stuff too. So I want to always keep that as part of the hub that we're growing. So it's going to be moving that direction. If we could do more um, uh, clinics and stuff at our, at our learning center now, producing content that, that goes side by side with the books that we do and doing it digitally. And that, that's where we're going to work on this year is, is trying to figure out and we know it could be done is just more engagement, man. You know, like if there's yeah. a new, knot that, that let's say RBFF drops a video. It's a minute long about a knot tying. If we could send that out to, to the kids and their families, they can practice that not at home, like really expand on how we can use technology um, in fishing and education. Cause we always teach education as part of it too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the best part because I believe, right. I heard this the other day, people want to learn, but they don't want to be taught, you know, so when we're learning True. stuff, you're ch- and you're learning, and you're like, wow, I didn't realize, you know, like think about like the Danielson, uh, uh, Karate Kid, right? He didn't know that he was, uh, you know, learning how to block a kick until he got kicked, right? And then he, well, that's that what you're teaching us. So that kind of thinking, um, and also thinking, how big can we like do? Like, I, I like to encourage your listeners or people listening, like, use your imagination. Don't don't think it can't happen. You know, press the envelope, um, re, uh, uh. uh uh, reverse engineer some stuff, you know, like tinker, use that word tinker and try stuff. So the ideas that I have in my brain that my board doesn't know yet, I got, I'm just bringing those out, but it's also at a level of scale because I'll try to put too much on the plate and take on too much and get burned out. So I guess find that balance, but man, we're really blessed, man, to see the community helping us get, you know, another grant we got called justice outside. That's going to use us to get this, this facility, man, and just continue to grow that, but also bring, um, our kids, high school kids, in and let them start helping us develop stuff. I think just talking at them is not the right way to go. When I was a Cub Scout leader or a mm-hmm. coach in baseball, helping my son's team out, you know, a small capacity, I was doing research and development and seeing how the kids engaged in the program as opposed to coaches just yelling at them. So if we have some kid counselors come in or counsel for our guppies and, and teaching them about entrepreneurship and and also go, living their dreams, like I'm living my dream and being a speaker, I want to I want to work on that level too this year, man. That's that's kind of some of the goals we have.
1: That's awesome, man. Well, that's a lot to, a lot to get to this next year, but uh, I think you'll do it. And uh, like I said, I think it's just going to keep going, getting better and better, and be, be able to reach more and more people every year and, and, um, and just see where it goes, you know? So, yeah.
2: So you see my logo right here, right? Right. I think yeah. I was talk about that. Yeah. So this is the buff, tough little worm. Okay. This is me. <laughs> Let me lean in. Right. So what I did was, was I wanted to have something, this means against all odds or anything's possible because the worms catching the fish, right? Like myself Mm growing up the way I did out here hustling, you know, I'm, I, you know, I made it, I guess, right. I made it through the cracks and anything's possible, you know? And uh, so anybody that has any uh, hurdles in front of them or any problems that they know that anything is possible, if they're willing to work hard and push forward to it, man. So I try to, you know, put that part out that anything is possible if you're willing to work for it. You know against all odds, you know. No matter what what's got in your way or what your what your history or your past might have been like for you or your family, that you know, if you find something that you really want to go after, um, just put little pieces into it, man. Just like fishing, just start out with a little simple with the night caller before you start buying a bunch of jigs and get the boat and stuff, you know. Just start getting those reps, get those casts out there, man, and see what you could hook and, and catch, man. You know, see, how I use all those little metaphors. Oh yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, it's such a good <laughs> message though, man. So. Well, um, why don't you tell us like, uh, where everybody can follow you guys at and everything you're doing as far as events and and social media and all that stuff. And then plus two, if, uh, if people like to do donations or something like that, how they can get a hold of you for that.
2: Cool. So we'll start with the real anglers, uh, fishing show first. You can check us out on YouTube and a lot of our real guppy outdoors videos are there. So you can always go to YouTube and check it out and everything it's spelled with R E E L. real anglers real guppies uh it's all like a fishing reel r e l and check it out um, on our youtube or on facebook if you'd like to make a donation that's great uh real guppies there's a donate link there's a cool little video that's on there as well and you can check that out real guppies uh real guppy outdoors um and that's g-u-p-p-y real guppy outdoors and uh there's you see our videos we're on facebook instagram we're trying to get our books out if you're if you're an educator and you want to get some of these books or you have scouts or something, or you work in that area and you want to get some of our books, we could uh, ship, ship you some books. Um, if there's anything you guys want to you know, collaborate on, some from California and you're from another area, or you want me to come out and film you fishing, I'll do that too. And we can film it and get, and get you on there. So again, we just want to continue to show um, anybody can do this. Go out and catch a memory. If there's a cool story behind uh, somebody that that's uh, um, to, to showcase a different way to fish, like, surf fish or uh, pier fishing for sharks we did one like people think you mm-hmm. could do that so we could fi- i just did one episode i'm editing these guys were fly fishing for rock fish at 160 feet like who rock fish, Who who drops a fly that deep so those kind of cool stories you're going to find on real English fishing show check out our uh again our facebook you get little bloopers and other pictures i do a report from california and just check it out and share it and please share your stuff with us i think that's a good thing about social media man is that if I find somebody from another area than I, and we're friends, I love sharing their stuff on ours because fishing is international, right? Yep. Like it's cool to see what you're catching in another state, another country, how you caught it, you know, and let's share that content and continue to show other people because we, we're all nerds when it comes to seeing other people's mm-hmm. fish. So, you know, share it with us and we'll share it and vice versa. And, and, uh, if you have a question or want to know about California or anything, man, I, I answer messenger within the day, you know? So awesome.
1: So cool, man. Well, I am so glad we got to connect this summer and, uh, let's make it a point to, to get fishing together sometime. So maybe we can, uh, if y'all get back to ICAST next summer, maybe we can hook up and go over there somewhere. I got some buddies that guide right real close to where the convention's at. So, um, are you going to uh, be there this year? Are you yeah, going to go we'll, again? We'll be, we'll be back again next year. So for yeah, sure. We'll be there. We'll so, yeah. We're sending yeah, it we'll out. Definitely get together for sure then. So, and then maybe we can, I know, like I said, ah, I got. I I've always wanted to get out to California and and try I'm the fishing out. down there. So we'll, we'll get Fish. out there. So as long as air airplane pilots show up to work, we'll we'll see if we can make it happen.
2: That's a whole other story. We got stuck coming from the. We went to the sport fishing summit, right? Just more part of what I do in the industry of like being in there, right? And uh, do we got stuck in like Charlotte? It took us like twenty eight hours. It felt like oh, Home Alone. Man. You know the Home Alone movie when she's stuck in every airport. Yep. <laughs> That's what I kept thinking, man. Yep, it was like... Yep. Where's Kevin at, man? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, thank you so much for letting me come on your show, man, I and, and yeah. getting back to me. And I know I talk a whole lot, I might have taken up a whole ch- bunch of chunks of time if you listeners, but just like to share the passion and, and get the point across. And if I can inspire somebody or encourage somebody to chase their dream or go after it, if it's not in the fishing industry, but it's what they like fishing, listen to you and have a goal, then maybe that will spark somebody to to get going, man. So thank you for the platform and opportunity. All
1: right, Kevin. Well, appreciate it, brother. We'll talk again soon.
0: stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life.
1: Yeah, baby. 6'8 Western. I'll be over there, baby. Right there.
0: Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.